Buongiorno! Welcome to the NyxCast Phanthropological Institute. Today we're headbanging in 11.8 as we talk about rock progressivo italiano. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Phanthropological, the podcast that brings the fans I view to you. My name is Nick G, and today we're in Italy talking about that most beloved of musical genres, prog rock. Here with me to do that are my two best friends, Nick T. Hey, hey, everybody from Con Bravo. Uh, (laughs) I got nothing. Con Bravo was great, though. (laughs) It was. Really enjoyed it, but we're not talking about that today. We're talking about prog rock, in particular Italian prog rock. Is there anything more you'd like to say after I've introduced you before I introduce Z? Uh, Z is a stupid doo head. I thought you might say that. And Nick yeah. Z. E molto bene. Oh, no. <laughs> Why did we? <laughs> Good thing oh it's goodness. not New York, Italian prog rock. A. Uh, yeah. I'm practicing my that. instruments here. It's probably for that doo head remark. <laughs> oh, I, I feel yeah. now that it's more deserved. <laughs> Fall right into his trap. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Every week we try to get the fan's eye view and bring it to you. And uh, I usually start that off with some fan of facts. But this week, I had my work cut out for me. So I'm I'm hoping that I can lean on these two prog rock expert musos (laughs) on the other end of the internet here. Because after doing the research, I discovered that Rock Progressivo Italiano, or RPI, as I'm going to shorten it because it's really long otherwise. There's, there's going to be a few acronyms today. Yeah, there's going to be a few acronyms. Yep. <laughs> to talk about it, you really need to have some context on prog rock in general, uh, music to a much lesser degree, and like the history of Italy. So strap yourself in because <laughs> this is going to be a heck of an episode. <laughs> yeah, this was a bit of a Pandora's box in terms of research. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, let's just find out about this small little corner a fandom in Italy, but nope, it's got got fingers and all these different pies that you have to. The spiral keeps going outward, and you have to like, like, like research all all the stuff around it in order to get enough context to understand the the part in the middle. When yeah. was the last time that we opened a Pandora's box like this? Uh, research wise, yeah. I feel like it's been a while. Maybe Esperanto. Uh, maybe Esperanto. There's a lot to Esperanto. Yeah. 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 All right. Well. Fandom facts. Fandom facts. So, I'm going to start with a little bit about prog rock because it doesn't really help to talk about Italian prog rock without knowing what prog rock is. Uh, very succinctly, and obviously we'll elaborate on this as we go through the episode, progressive rock or prog rock is a subgenre of rock music developed in the UK and US throughout the mid to late 1960s, um, initially termed progressive pop. Fun fact, progr- <laughs> sort of fun fact into the fandom facts. Yeah, go for it. Uh, the term progressive rock wasn't even really around when these guys were at their zenith. It's like a, a retronym? Yeah. I think most people card it like art rock or like, or classical or jazz rock, depending on what the band was. But like, progressive rock is sort of after the fact. Okay. Um, it is based on a fusion of styles and is an outgrowth of psychedelic bands who moved away from pop tradition in favor of different instrumentation and compositional techniques more often found in jazz, folk, or classical music. To 
also very briefly describe Italian progressive rock. Uh, it is a subgenre within a subgenre. Italy was generally uninterested in rock music until the early 1970s when the Italian prog rock scene developed. Uh, I did not write down a lot of history stuff because I threw that into a bunch of my discussion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, RPI is notable as it tends to emphasize the classical rather than the rock elements. Oftentimes, prog rock is described as rock having classical elements, so it's kind of the reverse. Mm-hmm. And that likely has a lot to do with being developed in Italy, which had a very traditional role to kind of like break out of. Uh, also, it has uh, kind of references to opera and operetta and influences from there, so it's not super surprising. In terms of when the fandom or when the, I guess, genre of music was most active or most relevant, uh, definitely towards its inception. I was looking at Google Trends data. It looks like most of the relevancy of of RPI is towards its inception. Uh, The data from that site goes back to 2004. And usually the interest graph kind of like has a a spike or a slow meander downwards. I think just in general, there's a lot more to search for today. But for RPI, it was a very stark downward trend. There's a huge spike in July of 2004 and then a pretty rapid descent and just kind of like keeps going down in terms of search interest. Uh, I tried to compare it to prog rock in general and obviously prog rock significantly more popular uh, as a search term and also had less of a, of a downward trend. To put it in context too, usually there's enough search term data to find you know, what regions are searching for what, and that wasn't even available. Oh, wow. We're talking about a very small, specific thing. And obviously there are no... I mean, I didn't look for fanfics. If you know of any RPI fanfics, you know, send them to Nick at the next cast or our Twitter, if or, you, et cetera. If you have any. <laughs> if you want to write some. Yeah, have a left-wing uh, RPI band and a right-wing RPI band getting together. Oh, man. Uh, but that was all that I, I found when talking about RPI, um, partly because research was constrained this week with Con Bravo, but also just because it's such a small, small, it's a tiny thing, G. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very small thing. Small thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I imagine if we talk about history and we talk about, you know, why our fans of RPI will probably learn more than I was able to unearth in my fast quest for facts yep. yeah i think once we dig into the meat of it we'll, we'll get we'll get some ideas small though it may be <laughs> yeah uh maybe, maybe italians don't use google <laughs> well as we discovered last week uh they probably do they definitely do they just don't google in english <laughs> i mean yeah so before we get to the the big question though i think we've got a few smaller questions to oh deal we with. do oh boy oh, yes. Mm-hmm. yes i did i did try to look into some of this um Let's go back to last week's famous last words, which was our opportunity to make fools of ourselves, <laughs> or more importantly, to ask questions about this week's fandom from last week. It's like a letter that we've mailed to ourselves, but we know what's in it, so I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we should mail the letters backwards and see if we ever get Wasting one. stamps. Yeah. <laughs> got to keep the post office alive. Yeah. Well, somebody's got to. Mm-hmm. Not napkins, post- though. I was going to say post no. office fans, but those would just be philatelists, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we should cover philatelists on this show. At some point, yeah. That would be an interesting episode. But anyway, mm-hmm. yes. All right, I'm going to start with Z, mostly because he's at the top of the list and whatever. So, Z, your famous last words from last week were, are all of the prog rock bands in Italy fans of each other? I wasn't really able to find anything conclusive. <laughs> Shocking. I know, I know. Um, but 
One of the things that I did find that I think speaks at least a little bit to an answer for the question was that uh, during prog rock's height in Italy, uh, RPI's height, I should say, there were a lot of free music festivals focusing on the genre and focusing on the, on the bands producing the music, of course. And uh, at these festivals, bands didn't really have a competitive, like a sense of competition between each other. They had more of a sense of cooperation. I also ran across this idea that all the different RPI bands in the 70s had shared aspirations, but they had like a different way of ex- of expressing themselves, of reaching for those aspirations like sonically. So when you mean aspirations, you mean like style of music or like what they wanted to achieve making music? Yeah, right? yeah, what they wanted to achieve making music, like just being able to make their music, express themselves freely. And I imagine for some, not probably not for all, but at least for some to make a living doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure that there were some rivalries and that kind of thing, but it does sound like overall the scene was more cooperative than competitive. So I would take that to mean that, you know, if not out and out fans, <laughs> they could at least stand each other. Okay. Very conclusive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. if you slag off every other band and then try to have a career, you probably won't do that well. <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, I, I'm, I'm comparing it mostly to the American scene or I guess the British scene when the British uh, prog rock bands would come over to uh, to the States. It sounded like they were trying to compete with each other for the biggest stage show. So each one would just like do something bigger and more ridiculous back and forth. Mm-hmm. Leading to things like uh, the band members emerging from, from pods and one of the pods not nice. opening and that leading to the, the classic scene in the movie Spinal Tap. There's a lot of prog rock in Spinal Tap. <laughs> mm-hmm. When you say pod, do you mean like a, a technological pod or like a goopy cocoon? More like a cocoon. Like a plastic cocoon yeah. that would open. Yeah. <laughs> it just sounds unpleasant. It's like being trapped in a cocoon yeah. on stage. Oh. It happened. I mean, uh, he got out. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, but the that's... cocoon was never the same. <laughs> no, nope, and they made a movie about it called Ghostbusters. Um, that's right. <laughs> G. Your famous yes. last words were how much of Italian prog rock is taken from British and how much is taken from Italian music? All right. So there was a British influence. Like Italy caught wind of, of British prog rock. I was like, man, we got to do that. Like we have, I have Tony Pagliuca from La Orme. He said, we wanted to put some improvisations between the singing parts and we had to make up our minds about the style to follow. After having been to the Isle of Wight Festival, it was clear to all of us that we couldn't keep on playing the usual songs with verses and refrains. And the Isle of Wight is a big music festival in England and it was like responsible for a lot of the early performances of prog rock bands like Emerson, Lake and Palmer and Jethro Tull. So he's talking about visiting England and kind of like absorbing um, what was going on with prog rock there and be like, oh... Longer passages, you know, improvisation, more complicated stuff. We got to put that in our music. That being said, I don't think there is anyone that, that was just like, well, I just want to sound like Genesis. <laughs> like, like they definitely had their own. And as I learned, what was um, like, I don't know, dance hall in the UK and like ragtime and jazz in America uh, was opera in Italy. That was sort of their musical, you know, mm-hmm. that's what they... That's what they went into the 20th century with. Right. And that kind of informed their pop music. Hmm. So, and, and and a lot of the classical influences, they have a stronger classical tradition than US and UK did. So that influenced a lot of stuff. And as you said before, like, it sounds like classical with rock as opposed to the other way around. So 
they weren't trying to copy it like they like their own influences definitely informed them but uh they certainly got some bright ideas from the british when i had read that rpi is more classical music with rock influences i was like oh there's this there's this artist called rondo veneziano and mm-hmm. uh i'd seen this this music video for it which was this cool anime thing with like robots saving uh venice like mm-hmm. Beaming oh, cool. up bits of Venice and like putting them in a spaceship to save them from the flooding, and I was like, "Oh, I wonder if this is RPI." The answer is definitely not. <laughs> it is an Italian chamber orchestra that happens to feature like electric bass, drums, has a very disco kind of sound to it. Really cool, but not not RPI, not RPI. And as I discovered doing some of the research, not all prog rock that comes out of Italy is RPI. Oh man. <laughs> So yes. yeah, Ooh. yeah, I know. It was uh, I'm not. I definitely didn't get into that because that is that is some what is it like Watsonian? No, that's some curative stuff going on yeah. there that I am not yeah. knowledgeable enough to do. It's good music. <laughs> My famous last words were, "Who is the RPI equivalent to Phil Collins?" And aside oh. from straight up googling that, I did not get an answer. <laughs> I imagine on the various top 10 lists that I, I listed, you'd probably, you know, probably pick the top person there. But I asked that question not knowing enough about Phil Collins or RPI to really evaluate an answer, even if it gave me one. Well, mm. I wasn't going to a lot of specifics. Uh, I mean, Phil Collins started in Prague Roots and then became a pop singer. Mm-hmm. Two hearts but, living in and, just And I've seen like, like multiple sources as I did research that, that there's like a Prague craze and like like everyone tried to do at least one yeah. prog album and some people started with a prog album mm-hmm. so in that sense not too far off the mark okay but uh in terms of some of the same i mean there's only one phil collins right <laughs> as far as we know no this is not the time for crazy <laughs> phil collins <laughs> theories <laughs> phil collins has been replaced with paul mccartney's clone <laughs> since the 19th 19- 57 uh, oh boy no, T no I have a question for you oh go mm. for it when is the time for crazy Phil Collins fan theories mm. season 5 maybe yeah <laughs> alright <laughs> season 5 is all bets are off <laughs> Rick and Morty whatever man no jacket required we're not gonna tell each other what we're doing research on <laughs> sorry oh we're not gonna say that. no that is that is chaos we are not doing that we are not going there and then just pretend we're talking about the same thing. You mean like have three separate conversations about different fandoms and pretend that we're talking about the same thing? Yeah. Oh, that would be even crazier. <laughs> It'd be like there's an, a- the, there's an April Fools every year, <laughs> so you know. I mean, that doesn't bring us to the why, but I'm going to bring us to the why. To the why. Yeah. Why? Why are people fans of RPI and? You know, what What even is it? We've barely scratched the surface of what it is other than history is important and Italy is important, which is, you know, super useful to s- somebody who's listening to this. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're Italian, you're already on board. Possibly. You might not be because you might not know. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's our job to explain that. Yeah. You might think it's just grandpa music and all your hip DJs are where it's at. I'm amazed by the number of times you've said things, Z, and I'm just, like, left completely speechless. <laughs> that one wasn't even one of the more bizarre ones. 
I have a certain set of skills. <laughs> that is undeniable. Mm-hmm. What I had discovered, mm-hmm. other than history is important, is I, I learned some of that historical context. And that was that earlier towards the beginning of 60s, earlier in history, I probably should have looked this up a little bit more. But, you know, Italy had a fascist mm-hmm. regime that had been toppled. Yes. And Italy and Europe in general were kind of recovering from World War II and just like rebuilding itself. That's probably like the beginning of the modern era where it was, I don't, I don't, I'm really bad with history, especially European history. But that was the point in time when modernization was really happening. And while the world had started that process of modernization, apparently Italy was still really traditional. Mm -hmm. Yes. So at the end of the 60s, young Italians wanted to take those traditions and start to tear them down. Not entirely dissimilar to, like, America. Like, do you mean, like, the the American Revolution or American music? (laughs) No, I mean, like, I I mean, similar to the baby boomers coming of age in the 60s. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Being like, okay, Grandpa, (laughs) with your collared shirt and your whiskey, (laughs) let's, let's free it all, including our minds. Oh, man. But yes. Well, it's, it seemed a little bit bigger in Italy just because, like, I mean, America's been around since uh, 1776 and all that or whatever. A history of change. Yes. yes. Is America. Yes. But uh, Italy, you know, reaching back to, like, the 15th, 16th century as a country anyway, or as a unified bunch of city-states. At any rate, at any rate, there's a lot more history there. And, I mean, they're the home home field for the good old Catholic Church. Can't get much more traditional there's- than that. They're literally right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I hadn't thought about that. So there's a lot of strong chains of tradition to uh, to break for these children of the 70s, these youths. Yeah. There's like, there's like a really large educated generation coming of age in the late 60s. Mm-hmm. And they're like, this is stupid. There's like the world. Yeah. And we're sitting here all backwards. <laughs> well, I mean, musically too. Um, I remember reading... In an article entitled Italian Prague for Beginners, apparently music in Italy in the 60s was very simple stuff, mostly um, all the music from elsewhere in the world that was very easily danced to, just transposed into Italian. Oh. Oh, really? Yeah. That was like the pop music of the era. What? One thing that I found was that, like, with the exception of during the fascist regime, Mm -hmm. which a lot of things were going on there, Italy never, never had, like, a a lock or a ban or a, a restriction on like foreign influence in their music. Hmm. So that went quite freely. Yeah. So they're always pulling stuff in from, you know, people who had immigrated there and, you know, st- people, stuff people were hearing. And even during that, those like fascist years in Italy, musicians would leave Italy and just like go around Europe and huh. see what was going on there. And that's how, you know, jazz came back to Italy and stuff like that. So there's always that, that pull from other, other places outside. Though there was, you know, a lot of folk traditions in the different uh, regions as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think something that I had read specifically mentioned Naples. Mm-hmm. Like, it, oh, it's, oh, um, like it, was talk, it was talking about how, you know, in general, it was very hard to break the traditions, uh, like just general Italian traditions. Mm-hmm. But I guess mm-hmm. some regions like Naples had a very strong influence in terms of like Neapolitan music and Neapolitan tradition. Yeah. And that kind of regionalism made it even harder. Yeah. The uh, Canzone Napolitana. Canzone Napolitana. Canzone. 
can zone. zone. Okay. Like, like if it were in this country, it'd be like, welcome to the can zone. <laughs> but it's probably uh, canzone. Uh, yeah. yeah. Napolitana. Uh, the Neapolitan song. Mm. And okay. it's just, and it's like, it's like a canon of, of songs. Uh, just like, you know, those songs that everybody knows, maybe we call them traditional songs here, like traditional folk songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it has more of a name. Uh, and like, O Sole Mio is in there. O Sole Mio. And Funiculi Funicula. <laughs> Funiculi Funiculi Funicula. Stuff that, that like, eh, we probably, we'd probably recognize snatches of the melody. So that's like, it, it's just like a folk, it's like Italy's folk tradition. And sort of, that's what was carrying Italy up until the 60s. Mm-hmm. As well as a, a veneration of uh, of like classical music. Yeah. Right. And then you have everything happening at once. Yes. You have the world modernizing. You have you have all these different influences. What I'm curious about is why was it prog rock? As one of you had mentioned, Italy didn't really have any ban on foreign music. It it just kind of let things in and just transposed it or whatever. But there was something about prog rock that young Italians latched onto. It wasn't pop it wasn't the beatles <laughs> wait let me think about my history we just yeah. talked about this two weeks ago <laughs> but like they it wasn't those things it was prog rock that that was very influential by comparison uh yeah i thought that was interesting mm-hmm. um that they kind of landed on prog and it's like they weren't much for rock there was no blues tradition basically you know you're you're the three chords the one four five mm-hmm. and the blues in america you had those chords over time they would just get heavier they just add just more distortion would be added to those chords for a long time over like 20 or 30 years i mean they knew about blues but that wasn't part of their national musical identity mm-hmm. so with prog rock you have this rock thing which is just you know blues but louder but integrating into the type of music that italians are familiar with the classical the opera and um i don't know about italian folk rock but um, no, well, what I what I listened to actually had some pastoral sections to it as well, and some like quieter folky sections. So that part is certainly integrated, but it spreads some rock on top of the music that they were familiar with. And like maybe it's just enough to be like, oh, my dad just listens to classical music all the time. But then you, you hear this this prog rock, you'd be like, oh man, that's like it's like taking his thing and shoving it up his butt. But <laughs> like, but it it it, uh, it makes sense <laughs> to me because I'm a young cool person. <laughs> I was wondering if, if kind of related to that, again, I don't know very much about Italian culture. That's one of the, the dangers of doing an episode that involves uh, a country, a culture that you're not familiar with. So I'm excited about this season. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of mistakes, lots of learning, but not knowing a lot about what Italian culture is like in particular, other than via stereotypes, which doesn't help me in this case no. either. I wonder if that foundation of classic music was what made it approachable. That's like, you know, uh, if you're a youth trying to find a way to rebel, trying to express these ideas, and, you know, traditional means is not the way, and it, you know, rock isn't necessarily resonating with you, but prog rock takes these things that are familiar to you that you can make your own, mm-hmm. as opposed to just like rock, which is like, well, I don't know, this is new music, we can transpose it, we can <laughs> listen to it, but it doesn't, it's not Italian. Yeah. But prog exactly. rock has this Italian element to it because of the foundation in that fusion of more classical elements, even if it is just instrumentation. Yeah. I mean, you got to do it one step at a time, right? You can't jump too many steps and expect people to like what's at the other end. Like you can't play Radiohead for Mozart. Like he's (laughs) not going to, 
He's not going to be into it. There's, there's. Well, he's dead, so you, you, you can't play Radiohead for. Him I at mean, all. he can't can't hear any of it anyway. But <laughs> were he able to, like, it's you know, it's too many, it's too many steps removed, right? It doesn't right. make sense. Yeah, you're pointing that out, T, uh, specifically that you know, I think that's a big part of it that uh, Italy had that classical tradition, whereas with America, to speak of another country that took the the english idea of prog rock and kind of did their own thing with it a little bit they were way more familiar with the rock tradition so you wind up with stuff like kansas yeah yeah america doesn't have much of a tradition of classical music at all no no but it did have a tradition of like blues and other mm-hmm. music forms yes. and even yeah. the english have a tradition of like celtic music which kind of comes up from time to time yeah yeah yeah, so I mean, when when prog rock was going around, it seems like it's just whatever the native musical style of whatever country it landed in was, that was sort of the root, and then the rock part just kind of grew out of that, you know? Yeah, I don't know if we want to get into the argument of prog rock versus progressive rock, but oh boy, uh, and I, it's I don't even know what you're talking <laughs> about. Yeah, in its infancy, uh, prog rock is just like rock mixed with mixed with other styles. Hmm. It's not specifically this specific thing, right? Right. A really quick little note on prog versus progressive rock. Mm-hmm. Progressive rock is music that is different or changes something that you've heard before that you weren't expecting. It's trying to progress rock. Prog rock is rock that's meant to sound like 70s prog rock. Oh. Right. That makes sense. Being in the prog rock fandom, that's basically what that means. Okay. Okay. I mean, that makes sense when people less often use the word liberal now and use the term progressive instead. Yes. Because liberal has a, has a separate meaning attached to it. Yeah, well, you could mean a neoliberal, which is very different from somebody who's pro- progressive. Mm-hmm. Or in Canada, a person from the Liberal Party. Or for the Liberal Party. Yeah, or the Provincial Liberal Party. Yes. Which is different from... Yeah, whatever, we got it. Canadian <laughs> politics fans. <laughs> no, uh, nah, no, nah, no, no. Maybe, no. maybe Justin Trudeau fans? Uh, uh, Vladimir Putin fans. Oh boy, moving on. <laughs> Putin fanfic. <laughs> Putin fan art is a thing. Oh. It's, you know what? We don't yeah, need to talk anyway. about that right now. <laughs> Mussolini fan art. Uh, uh, okay, I, that's fine. We'll keep moving. <laughs> we'll keep moving on. One of the things that I found interesting was partly that RPI seems to be unique to a moment in time. Is what I thought originally. Yes. But it seems like, based on some of the research that I did, that there's actually a little bit of a resurgence. Mm-hmm. Not much. I mean, as we've discovered, it, it's still quite small. It's not like our San Lupin where it exists. We just couldn't find it. Uh, I think it is actually quite small. But I, I found out that in the early aughts, which is not a phrase I get to say very often, that um, a number of different RPI bands had been reprinted. Mm-hmm. They didn't have new work, but a lot of the work from the 70s and whatnot had been reprinted in areas like Japan. Uh-huh. And as a result of that, had like a small resurgence in those areas as people were discovering this work. And in this case, people who may have heard English or American prog rock, but uh, like I imagine for most people, a very different you know target. Yeah, I don't think Japanese and Italian traditions have a lot in common, given that they grew in two different parts, completely different parts of the world. <laughs> yes. Not a landlocked nation, but, you know, uh, uh, a like country Japan's... in the middle of a sea yeah. as opposed to, like, an Japan. island. Yeah. Japan kind of likes prog. It likes heavy. Yeah. Japan likes heavy a lot. Um, 
Italy likes heavy and likes Prague, and you know who else? Uh, Brazil, mm. a lot like likes uh, likes Prague and likes heavy. Mm. I, I know that the, uh, some some British acts came over to Italy and like in Italy loved them. Yeah, yeah. Was it a Vandergraaff generator? Or mm. I was re- I remember reading some of the names, but I don't a hundred percent recall. Did you just say Vandergraaff generator? <laughs> uh, is this the I get to talk about I... Vandergraaff generator oh, no. on the show. Uh, hello, yeah. Thanks for watching. I'm gonna. No, I'm I'm fine. I'm good. Everything's fine. It's just me and the Italians, <laughs> like in Vandergraaff generator. Really heavy, really dark, really gut wrenching music. Gut wrenching. Gut wrenching. Like, like like in terms like of the vocals. Emotional. Not not screaming, but like really like emotional. emotional Vocals, okay. yeah and like really like dissonant sax and like really really dark stuff italy italy love them unfortunately they didn't fare as well in britain <laughs> anyway it's neither here nor there but in terms of the resurgence i found an article which i frustratingly cannot find year on mm-hmm. i have to assume it's pretty recent uh and you know I'm not, I'm not going to quote it verbatim. Google does not do well with Italian, not as well as it did with French. <laughs> but in Rome on February 5th of some year, I want to assume a recent one, uh, Music Day Roma was held in Rome, which was first big uh, like record collecting event. Mm. And it was, it was huge. Everyone was out, large age range. People looking for that RPI. <laughs> cool. Saying it does well, which has a lot to do with like people who like collecting vinyl also like prog rock and classic rock and things like that yeah so like over here you know there's a vinyl resurgence Mm -hmm. happening in italy people after that classic stuff yeah (laughs) older people looking for 45s unsurprisingly (laughs) also speaking to the resurgence in the fandom uh the rpi fandom i found out that there is actually a a fan zine oh for rpi oh cool called Arlie Quinn. Digital or analog? Uh, it started out as analog, just something printed up every now and then, in 1990. And in 1995, they started their website. It's touted as the first uh, fan website about RPI, which is probably true. And then sort of on and off between 1990 and 2000, it was sometimes digital, sometimes print, sometimes even it was a registered magazine and not just a fanzine. Um, but then after 2000, it just went entirely digital. Okay. And apparently it's still going today. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't find much there in terms of, in terms of like the fans, like it's all written by fans and it's all, you know, it's a bunch of articles and a bunch of interviews. It's all in Italian. (laughs) So didn't really have a chance to get too far with that. But I mean, if you, if you took the time and really dug into it, you could probably find out a lot about, you know, what it is about rpi that's brought people back to it you know well then 20 years after it started and now almost 50 yeah i mean well this well for the generation now it's probably like oh my dad or my grandpa found their, mm. their old records yeah or i heard them listening to this you know and i was i was interested yeah the article makes makes a lot of hay out of one specific statistic oh it's like you know how many people bought the lady gaga album like physically 314,000. She's a super, super mega star on the internet, social media. Everyone knows who Lady Gaga is. She only sold 314,000 copies of physical copies of her album. No one gives a, no one gives a crap about, about Lady Gaga on, on vinyl or something like that. <laughs> like that. 
I, again, that's, I'm I'm interpreting the translation of the Italian, but like mm-hmm. that's they're like, yeah, no, people don't want that <laughs> on vinyl. Prog rock, Beatles, King Crimson, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that makes sense, right? It's kind of like it's a reproduction of the original sort of experience of that music of that album. Yeah, I feel like I've I've said this a few times. Like on I don't know, I don't I don't know I don't know if it's been on the air. Oh, okay. Um, maybe for the first time, but I feel like I've said it a lot. A physical copy is no longer necessary to get any music, pretty much. So just choose what's coolest or what's most aesthetically pleasing or what's the most fun to interact with, and that's vinyl. Yeah. Um, so I think that's why the vinyl thing's happening. Because mm-hmm. like, if you're gonna own an album and it's up to you how you own it. Why not vinyl? I mean, we're not talking about vinyl fans today. <laughs> no, we're not. Uh, no. I feel like there'd be some aesthetic and, and musical and whatnot notes, but not today. <laughs> not today. I think RPI is a really good example of a fandom that um, is highly intersected with its work, right? Like, we've never explicitly said this on air, but when we were at Con Bravo, this idea of, like, intersected fandoms came up, which is where there's not a lot of differentiation between the object of desire and like the people who desire it yeah and i feel like especially when that happens there is a timeliness factor to it like, so well oh so go ahead i just i just i'm looking for clarification here like based on your description so an intersected fandom is one where the fans are also the ones creating the thing that they're fans of it's not even about um creation so like i would say that uh toronto maple leafs fans are highly intersected too like okay. they're um so like kind of let's take uh well how would i ex- explain yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure so like <laughs> i didn't mean that to be condescending i just uh, it's just like he's like i'm gonna keep asking questions like maybe <laughs> if i had a chance to try to explain <laughs> it might make sense like imagine that you have uh some object as like a, a circle we're gonna do venn diagrams uh visually for people who can see but with my hands so it's <laughs> it's great that he can't see so it's worse anyway Imagine like a circle and that's like RPI in this case or like any other um, interest. Like a fandom is a circle that intersects that. Hmm. So there are people that are like really just interested in the thing. And then in that case, there's a lot of overlap. And then there's people that kind of create their own work that have more transformative. So like Transformers, I would say, is a very intersected fandom as well. It's uh, a lot of the emphases are on curative, not so much on the transformative. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there's a lot of overlap between I like this thing and I know a lot about this thing yes uh, okay. Ma- Maple Leafs fans are a good example of that um, probably most fans of like actors are kind of no no that doesn't work for actors but like well I was like people make fanfic like real fic <laughs> as we talked in Supernatural yeah so mm-hmm. well there are episodes of Supernatural that are like super meta and so whatever but you so go back to listen to that episode that was fun. I want to hear more about that. Yeah. Uh, but I think with RPI, there's, again, that huge amount of intersectedness because mm. it's hard to find the fan activity. Like, fan activity is what makes fandoms less intersected because people are doing things that are, are different. They're making cosplay. They're making fanfics, art, their own music, etc. And maybe in this case, people who are fans of RPI have gone on to start their own bands and make their own music. <laughs> Proving Z's theory right. Which which one of 
Which one was that? Oh, oh, that they're friends. Oh, okay. Yeah, he said they were friends. I no, see. Never mind about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think with RPI, there's not as much fan activity. That that's also an indication when we have a hard time doing the the research. Or in this case, it's that um, RPI is less differentiated from just general prog rock fandom. Yeah, yeah. Just like as with uh, with any anything musical, that's not something like. Backstreet Boys or One Direction or you know the the latest boy band where the fans are predominantly young women and young girls the transformative predominantly transformative element in, in fandom it seems like that's just the case where people are fans of things because they know a lot about that thing or they do that thing themselves and I just couldn't help but be reminded of the Grateful Dead yeah Right, which I I believe I also said was like a dead or dying fandom. Yeah. Huh? Oh. Huh? Oh, yes. No. oh, yes. Gee, why? Oh, uh, well. I love it so much. This is the last time nope, that we'll be last. seeing G on air. There's still time. Hmm. I don't know. That'll make sense later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, there's a lot of just consumption. Yeah. Right? Consumption, mm-hmm. book not bookkeeping, but like the history of, you know, you get these little stories of different bands who did this at a different time. And, and one time this band met this other band. That, that's crazy. Like, there's a lot of that. Um, a lot of reflection and absorption and discussion. Yeah. And as, as we've mentioned, you know, the only requirement to be a fan of something is just to say you're a fan of it. You don't even have to enjoy it. You just need to say you're a fan of it. That's true. I mean, you could hate watch things for all I know, or hate listen or whatever. Yeah, I had a hard time pulling apart the prog rock from the Italian. Yeah, and in fact, I found a really cool article uh, that was talking about JRPGs and prog rock, and Ooh. I started reading it, and I'm like, this has nothing to do with RPI. Send me the article. Mm-hmm. Those are two favorite things. Yeah, well, it, since we're talking about it, um, and since it's kind of relevant to prog rock, and how prog rock influenced different cultures. I was talking about how Nobuo Uematsu, the composer for Final Fantasy, was hugely inspired by prog rock, uh, especially prog rock from the 70s, and how some other composers, like uh, the composer of Grandia's music, mm-hmm. uh, was also influenced by that type of music. And that's why a lot of video game music, a lot of JRPG music, has that sort of feel to it. Yeah. It also talked a little bit about... Um, how like some games made in the early aughts had more of an electronica or symphonica sound to it because that was more of the style of the time. Mm. So because like modern influenced the music of those games, but that doesn't help us with RPI. I was just hoping, really hoping that it could tie into this episode, but uh, oh. yeah. and would lead all my friends forevermore to ask me to turn off that quote video game music. <laughs> it's like actually it's programmed. Which led me to a desperate search to find some prog that didn't sound like video game music. Pandagraph Generator. <laughs> but, that being said, there's a lot of connection between the prog rock of the of the day, of the early 70s, and, and the politics of Italy at the time, as we were talking about before. Yes. It was, prog rock was like a left-wing thing. In fact, I, had a, I saw a story here... Was it um, an essay I wrote on Rock Progressivo Italiano for history class? Yes. Okay. I believe it was. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't write an essay. That was the title of the article. It was a Reddit, um, it was a Reddit thread where somebody had posted their 
Oh, I thought you were making a joke. No, it's not. It's a blog. Ah. Oh. It's, it's, an, it's an English language blog, but about the politicization of uh, RPI. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Um, there's one band. Let's see here. El Castellano de Atlante. And they had Area listen to their music. And they're like, it's okay, but like you need to change the lyrics. And like, what's wrong with the lyrics? It's like, there's nothing political in there. <laughs> and there's there's another band that's like, oh, I, like you guys are a great band. You're, we love your sound, but we can't put you on a label. Why? We we are a left wing label. Yeah. And there's no there's no anything on here. Yeah. So sorry. This is, this is just music. It doesn't have any heart. Yeah, yeah. At the same time, I remember reading a few things about how there were some right wing. RPI bands as well, and they just really? had a, yeah, and they just had a really hard time of it. They wouldn't get any radio play. They could never really book any concerts. They were like the hard scrabble. You know, me and my friends took all these old car parts and built a transistor and made our own radio station. I don't think anybody actually did that, but that kind of like DIY stuff was how they they made their music. I don't know if you'll have any additional context on this, and uh, I realize that this is actually relevant to all the references to this, but when you say right-wing, do you mean fascist? I think more communist. I, At the time... See, now that's, com- that's communist, is, communist is left-wing. Yeah. Well, I, according to, like, quote, traditional lines. That's why I was I mean, clarifying, because I'm very confused. There might unless, have, it goes around, like, unless it goes around the back. But, well, I mean, uh, there, were, like, there were still some small fascist pockets in Italy. Nothing really huge, obviously, but... Like I don't know but, how yeah. far right the right wing RPI bands were. My, my guess is not out and out fascism, especially not being no. that far removed from World War no. Two. No, but just, it's, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just say I'm confused because in all the references that I saw, like I have a, a bit of a quote here from that, that Reddit article. It's like mm-hmm. the left was very popular in Italy and as such most bands affiliated with the left. Area is one of the most egregious examples. Their debut album titled RB at Macht Frey featured all kinds of communist imagery and their front man talked about how they made violent music because the streets were filled with violence but like in that scenario left is communist but if you're telling me yeah. right is communist then i'm extremely <laughs> confused because left is right i'm, yeah. I'm guessing z that that in what you read yeah it didn't say more than right wing it no, didn't it say more than right wing, wing. No. No. Okay. um no. okay and like yeah but like they're talking about to the point where like when people went to a concert that was political yeah I was like, you're left wing because yeah. you went to a, a PFM concert or something. Yeah. Not even just going to the concerts, but apparently there were also uh, groups of people who felt that because of Italy's sort of, I guess they remember, they must have been members of, of the extreme left communist party. Um, they felt that music should be free and therefore they didn't need to pay. So they, there would be like big groups of people trying to get into these concerts without paying. And that apparently oh. led to quite a few riots. Interesting, interesting. Or at least skirmishes with police. And some bands didn't even want to get into it. Yeah. Lorm Biglietto per l'Inferno. Um, they're like, that was certainly there. We didn't we didn't really want to be involved or comment on it. We just kinda of wanted to make the music that we wanted to make, but they were branded with that, you know. <laughs> don't like they're not gonna come out as right wing certainly, so they get you know, obviously they're left wing because they're they're playing that prog rock. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like this episode would have worked really well if we had done an episode on prog rock and then punk rock. <laughs> oh, man. Because, like, from that same article, it's uh, it's talking about 
No, all in all, RPI was the expression of Italian youth to break free from tradition and enter the modern era in the same way as punk in England in the 1980s RPI functioned as a weapon to combine the <laughs> classical heritage of Italy with the modern age that came after the Second World War. The popularity made it so that hundreds of bands were working together to create something entirely new, and as such, a beautiful genre of music was born. But, like, had we done prog rock, it's like, okay, you've got the context, what is prog rock, and then you talk about punk rock, which is, like, a rebellion against the status quo and, and mm-hmm. disrupting that kind of thing. And like for Italy, that was RPI. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to do those episodes, bro. <laughs> guess, uh, season five, six seasons in a movie. To shed a little light on that sort of thing. I mean, the one I know most about the Prague Rock Union is Britain by far. But uh, in Britain, Prague Rock was very apolitical, pretty much. Yeah. And Robert Wyatt appeared on TV wearing like a like a communist hat or whatever. <laughs> But and he was he's very pro Palestine, but like very much an outlier. Prog rock was all fantasy themes and epic stories and and sci fi and all that. Mm-hmm. First of all, didn't want to touch on like love and relationships in any sort of real way because that's what pop music did, and we we're not, we're not pop music. And then was just kind of it was a little bit uh, escapism. Yeah, British prog rock was, and then punk is like let's stop pretending that everything's great. Let's stop you know trying to escape and let's deal with what's going on things suck and if we don't make any noise about it it's not going to change yeah every single documentary i've ever watched about a prog rock band and i have watched a lot of them (laughs) (laughs) ends the same way and then punk came (laughs) and it changed everything just everything prog was a dirty word and has pretty much remained a dirty word yeah like punk just changed changed the whole scene and Prague was never cool again. <laughs> I'd uh, I'd read an article called "The Persistence of Prague Rock" from the the New Yorker. It had it had a bunch of New Yorker cartoons sort of slashed <laughs> throughout it. Anyway, apparently, even sort of back in the day, Prague Rock was, you know, it was the nerd it was the nerd music. It was nerd it was, it was for the nerds. Oh yeah, yeah. Like he was saying, the the bands didn't really do love songs so there weren't a lot of female fans so all those like i want to say predominantly white because this article also talks about uh a scholar and musician who theorized that Prague in the 70s was so popular in the u.s because it was like a kind of a it was kind of a an ethnic rallying point for middle class and blue collar whites who at the time were feeling you know all that uh, all that panic about the upcoming race wars and all that oh Hence, disco sucks. Yes, definitely. I, f- I feel like I would speak for the next cast when we say we are a pro disco yeah. podcast. That seems oh, yeah. reasonable. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know what disco is, but what I've heard that sounds disco, I'm definitely in favor of. <laughs> I was surprised that G didn't actually bring. I know we were the this week's episode focused on RPI and the huge overlap with prog rock. I'm surprised you didn't mention this article that came up in McLean's G as I know what? you are a avid subscriber of fancy magazines that <laughs> well, are Canadian. Here's what happened. Quick um, tangent on McLean's. Oh, okay. McLean's, <laughs> ever since I started subscribing to it, McLean's has been sliding right faster than you can say RPI. Um, <laughs> That's a uh, to, the, word. to the point where <laughs> I didn't really want a subscription anymore. My mom bought me a year, uh, a couple years subscription, I think. And it's like, okay, well, there's 20 issues left, and it's a weekly magazine. Okay, we're changing to a monthly magazine. 
I now have oh. <laughs> two years worth of McLean's wow. okay. coming. Um, uh, so I haven't really picked up any of the issues that I've been getting lately. Okay. Anyway, sorry, go on. That's okay. I don't know if any of that's going to make it to the episode. So thank you everyone for listening. Just, just you got, FYI. You yeah. get all these secret little, yeah. little juicy little nuggets or whatever. I don't know, about, man. About my life. Thanks, Kaito Al. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was this interesting quote from a McLean's article called Prague is not a four letter word. And it goes, uh, the music couldn't get more white or more unfashionable. 20 minute songs performed by earnest young men trying to sound like an orchestra, hopping from one instrument to another or playing several at once. This was large scale, ambitious music meant to accompany grand lyrics and stage spectacles. Gone was sex, drugs, and rock and roll, replaced by Kubrickian space outs, Eastern philosophy, and walls of synthesizers, or guitars trying to sound like synthesizers. I think that uh, that same article talks about... Oh, no, so there was a different article I was reading that was talking about um, how a lot of people in that space who had started in prog rock very quickly moved into uh, arena rock and, and started talking about relationships like ah. not our lady piece uh electric light orchestra foreigner yes kansas mm-hmm. yeah they have prog elements but are more about big hooks and like uh shared experience yeah so they they've yeah. moved away from that prog rock foundation into more of just like a, a pop rock or what we would call classic rock because that doesn't mean anything so <laughs> i mean it means something I, well fine it, yes <laughs> it, like <laughs> Uh, but I'd say the the one of the bands that sits the nicest in that valley is like Queen. Hmm. See, when when I found out that a lot of JRPGs had been influenced by prog rock, I was like, well, wait, does that mean that Ogre Battle, like <laughs> Queen Two, was like a prog rock? I guess it kind of is. Queen Two's got a lot of prog in it. Yeah, never mind. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it just like has you know choruses and melodies people want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> 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 maybe that's a bit more of know your audience or just yeah, be, yeah. be queen <laughs> yes yeah. yeah which they are the best at uh <laughs> sorry i was just thinking it's like advice for anybody listening uh if you want to be a musician and um you can just go back in time like 40 50 years just be queen <laughs> and if you want to be and a youtuber or a twitch streamer uh just go back in time 10 years and start a youtube it's channel like the best piece of advice that we got uh, all weekend at Con Bravo. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that wasn't the best piece. That was just the funniest piece. I was being facetious. Uh, but our earnestness. Mm. All right. Did anyone else uh, look into Rio? Like by Br- Duran Duran? Brazil? No. Do you, do you remember earlier, uh, I don't know, today... When you're like, what should I look at? And I'm like, Rio, Rock and Opposition. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I, I had not had the chance to look into okay. Rock and Opposition. Did you? Oh, I did. Oh, I, I already knew about it. Oh, okay. Z, did you? I did not. Okay. Do you want to enlighten us? I mean, yeah. Yeah. So Rock and Opposition was a group of bands from across Europe featuring the Italian band Stormy Six, who were a bit like the Impressionists of the day, the Impressionists in the late 1800s. Like Monet and Monet and um, Sisley and Pizarro, uh, Surratt. And one more. Degas. There we go. That's all the impressions. Oh. The, the initial <laughs> uh, strain of impressions. Anyway, they had their impressionistic style, which people thought was g- garbage. Because <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't look like the thing it's supposed to look like. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. So they would submit their work to galleries, and their work would be refused. It's like, this is an art. This is scribbles. This is just a bunch of crap. 
So they made their own gallery, Le Salon de Refusé, the Gallery of the Refused. <laughs> and that's kind of how Impressionism got going. So, so Rio, Rock and Opposition, was this group of European bands led by Britain's Henry Cow. Not a guy, a band. For bands that, that labels wouldn't sign them because their music was too weird. Mm. It's like, that, that music's not going to make us money. Wait, sorry, and this is related to RPI? Yeah, because we, we have an Italian band in there. Ooh. Okay, because what I was confused by is like, what we were talking about earlier is it's just like, sorry, we can't sign you to our label. You're not. Yes. You're, you're not political. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a different... This, is, this group also felt some social obligations, uh, certainly, certainly left-wing ones, but that was sort of incidental. Okay. This was more about like, nobody who distributes music wants to distribute our music. So we're distributing our music. Okay. Yeah. So they kind of made a, a collective. Mm-hmm. Um, Henry, Henry Cow of England, Stormy Six of Italy, Samla Mamas Nana from Sweden, Universe Zero from Belgium, Etron Fou Le Lubin from France. And um, it generated some press. But what's interesting is all these bands kind of sounded different, but they all sounded really weird compared to all the music that was around them, like really out there kind of stuff. But Rio moved from being this organization of bands who, who recruited like a few new bands in order to help promote them because they had a similar, not aesthetic, but uh, similar ideas. But Rio then developed into a genre that sounds like those original bands that made up the original rock in opposition. <laughs> wow. So they, they were like, hey, nobody likes this. And then it's like, cool. But now we're all going to make that. You know what made us unique? This. Cool. Let's all do that. Like, am I reading that right? Is that what's well, going on? I mean, basically, yeah, but it, it sounds like fans didn't really have access to these bands because they weren't being published. A bunch of these bands that nobody would sign got together, published essentially themselves, got a, a fan base from that, and be, I guess because Prague fans either just endlessly talk about Prague or make Prague or both, then you got a bunch of bands that sound like the bands they really like. Yeah, this is, I'd say the fandom for this is like, like, probably a small percentage of that of rpi like this is not a huge no no movement but yeah it's oh man it's it's really about like exploring music and and not being afraid to do something completely different and completely unlike any anything has ever heard whether that's something you want to hear is entirely up to you but mm-hmm. stormy six organized one of the festivals in milan this was uh late 70s mm. when when punk had taken on but i mean these guys didn't sound like the prog rock that had been popular anyway yeah i mean if we want to talk about the the demise of rpi or at least the changing tastes that led to its becoming far less popular than it was during the uh start middle of the 70s apparently one of the things that uh, that killed it off was just how the rpi concerts had gained a reputation for being very violent not because the bands inspired the crowds to go wild and just like beat each other up and stuff but because of the constant riots and like politically charged skirmishes between this group or that group or this group and the police or the police and that group or whatever. So like by the time, you know, 1976, 1977, people kind of shied away from going to the concerts because they just had this reputation of being really violent. And if nobody's going to your concerts, you're not going to run them. So they stop being run at the same time in that article, Italian Prague for Beginners. In 1977, DJs became very popular in Italy. Hmm. Like, like in terms of hip hip hop and. Uh... 
I don't even know if hip hop, if it was just like, I mean, it must have been some form of hip hop, right? It just or like, just like, like, or like more generally like dance, like, like dance. More dancey stuff. Dance yeah. 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 I got the impression that tastes started out with what's the popular music being like in the sixties stuff that you can just dance to. You can just passively consume it, you know, whatever it's, I can really dance to this. And the 1970s come around, tastes swing the other way and say, oh, I could never dance to this, but oh man, I'm really enjoying the secret handshake of getting all these folkloric and literary references that are packed yeah. into these long songs with changing key sig- time signatures and key changes and all this sort of thing. And then it sort of swung back to danceable pop at the end of the 70s. That's interesting, because that would be like... Like, they didn't get punk, it sounds like. It sounds like the violent concert part of the punk happened at the Prague shows. <laughs> I mean, like, again, since we only did research for RPI, it's really yeah. hard to say, yeah. you know, if there was an additional punk period and not knowing much about Italian history as, like, Canadian. <laughs> I mean, as, yeah. like, Polish-Canadian well, yeah. and British-Canadian yeah. and uh, Dutch-Canadian. Yeah. As little as, as I know about Italian history, I feel like punk would have a really hard time there because depending on who you ask although i think now the opinion is sort of solidified that punk people just didn't know how to play their instruments they just went up there and like jammed on them and shouted like stuff that was politically charged and socially aware and that got to a lot of people but in italy if if you just jumped on stage and started like uh, jamming on an, on an instrument yeah. you didn't know what what you were doing with you'd probably just be stared at or laughed off well Punk was back to basics. It was rock and roll, like fifties rock and roll, but more aggressive. Yeah, and that w- there wasn't it wouldn't have been a return to anything for Italy. No, like returning to danceable music is more close to what they're at, right? Yeah, just like punk just was this extra thing that like had a lot of anger fueled into it. Yes, where you know, and that was a lot of that had to do with what was going on economically in Bank Britain in the U.S. at the time as well. Mm-hmm. But you know, maybe t- Italy didn't have that. They're great excitation of anger was was like in 68 and then like that kind of formed the prog in the first place so they had culturally had a different history yeah as a brief digression i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that because of the intimate nature between rpi and prog rock and there being a ton of stuff on prog rock and maybe not so much about rpi Mm -hmm. it's very easy to talk about you know the relationship between those those two things and veer off into prog rock land and into music land in general yeah spend a lot of time in both of those lands yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) i feel like it's a lot like um if a if a bunch of cheese connoisseurs got together they all like cheese but uh one of them really likes breeze another one really likes blues and another one really really likes like jarlsberg they all like cheese but you know they've got their own specific little niches that's why there are very few communities that are like music fans. Yeah. <laughs> Without it immediately splitting into further uh, subgenres. Yeah. Anime fans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's... Yeah, whatever. Well, it's, that's... Yeah, it's a, it's a horse of a different color, for sure. I found it kind of funny, though, on Reddit, looking for stuff about RPI um, and the pro- like in the prog rock reddits. Almost every thread that I, I checked out, um, somewhere near the top, there would be a post simply what's rpi like they didn't know what the acronym was or yeah i i they didn't know what the acronym was they probably also didn't know what uh rock progressivo italiano was i mean i couldn't quite decide if people were just being trolls or if uh prog rock's insularity was was showing a little bit Hmm. what i found interesting 
about this is I, I found it a lot easier to find results from English-speaking people about it. Hmm. Oh, as compared to last week's our Sanity yeah. Pack. Yeah. I think that probably goes to, like, yeah. the dedication and, uh, like, the curative elements of prog rock fandom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, like, it's it's just another faster prog rock, and lots of prog rock fans like, you know, some RPI. Yeah. yeah. I think that is as good as a point as any to bring us into the verdict. Let's do it. Yep. All right, I'm not going first because, man, that sucks. <laughs> so I'm going to put G on the spot. All right. Because he's virtually right in front of me. Hey. Hey. <laughs> All right. It is not a secret that I like prog rock. And, you know, as I was doing the research for this, I was listening to a bunch of RPI. And I'm going to listen to more RPI. Area, Stormy Six, some of the more out there selections. I, I liked it a lot. And... I normally don't like music that's not in English because English is the only language I understand with any ease. I like to be able to understand the lyrics, but like there's a good and and from what I've read, a lot of people like this about RPI. There's a good operatic theatrical feeling to Italian being the language of of it. It gives it that sense of of bigness and and theatricality Mm -hmm. in a lot of the cases. So that was actually really cool to listen to. A different listening experience because you don't understand. So like a lot of the revolutionary or protest bands uh, won't land quite as hard but the the emotion is felt so as a prog fan that's just a corner that i hadn't uncovered until now and i uh, quite liked it i mean in terms of a verdict i mean it's not i don't think it's it's on the rise in terms of like people now are still making prog music it's become inexorably coupled with metal and is having a very hard time being uncoupled from metal <laughs> much to my disappointment but i think it's just going to kind of stay you might say stagnant. Uh, I think it's just going to stay the same same amount of people it is. People will discover prog rock. People will discover Italian prog rock. Uh, Italian people will probably discover Italian prog rock first. It had its time. It had its day. It experienced a lot more mainstream popularity, I think, than in Britain and the U.S. Because they were talking about like everyone had a prog yeah. rock album at some point. So that sounds like it like it hit bigger when it hit. And yeah. so there's there's probably more classic rock stations in Italy. Probably play more prog whatever they deign to call classic rock. But they probably play more prog, you know? <laughs> People's grandpas probably have a few more prog records and spin around. So it's like, it's 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 a little bit in there in, in the culture, but uh, I still feel like a lot of people would have will have just reverted back to going back to classical and opera. Now that prog rock isn't the in thing, it's just another thing. So yeah, I think it's just keep on chugging in the way that it has been. Mm-hmm. Next. I mean, I, I figured as as the person who just said things that you might pick somebody, but I'll go I'll go next. I've had time to think about things. It's hard to really add on to what you said that substantially. <laughs> not that I'm not a fan of prog rock, but not being somebody who's kind of embedded in that scene. So yeah. all I can really say is, yeah, I have listened to some prog rock, but I listened to some RPI. I listened to some Latte Miel, mm-hmm. uh, which, as G told me, is like honey milk mi- mi- or something. It's mi- milk and honey. Milk honey, yeah. Yeah, uh, sounded very much like a JRPG, and I was pretty <laughs> happy with that. <laughs> and I, I also think that it's it's probably a stagnant fandom. It's or, or it's more historical in nature. Um, obviously, as music continues to come up with new new forms, that like I don't know. I think it'll just be something that is is referenced. And even doing the research for this week, it sounds like 
It's not something that is hugely produced, but it, it exists. It, it existed at a point in time much like the Beatles did, and nothing will ever reduce its relevance to history, but it might reduce its its ongoing legacy's importance. So I, I think it was a very important thing, and, and it will be less important over time. Its day has passed, undoubtedly. But I think, I think because unlike with the Grateful Dead fans, it's center around more than just one band that's true it's going to continue it can possibly be centered around bands that are active now yes yes there is that element um but not just that i think because it is it is one of those uh intersected or highly intersected fandoms the people you know participating in the fandom one of the things that they do is they make more of it and i think that's how it's going to continue i don't think it's going to grow necessarily per se like i don't expect you know 50 years well 10 20 30 40 50 years from now uh prog rock will come back in all of its forms and be the cool thing again but uh it's like it's definitely going to continue people enjoy it for many many reasons whether they're politically charged reasons or just like personal reasons of enjoying the music or enjoying um like deep cut references that make them feel smart for getting. So it's it's this, uh, it's going to continue, but it is definitely now uh, retired from the public eye. And I am definitely into it. <laughs> I only gave a listen to one album, Belletto di Bronzo's Yeast, uh, from 1972. But it was just really cool. I mean, it had a bunch of choral stuff that I had never really heard in any prog before like choirs kind of chanting on the side. We didn't talk too much about that, but the church is right there. Yes. The Catholic church. Yeah. It's right there. Yes. But I definitely want to hear more of it. Cool. All right. I mean, one, it sounds like that's unanimous, which is cool. We should do more of that. (laughs) The other thing I was going to mention is this week we do not have a spotlight because RPI is really small. What were you expecting? (laughs) It's hard, guys. It's hard to find charities, causes, and fan-related things related to really small fandoms that are not differentiated very well. Yeah. If you can read Italian, check out Arlequin. When you say Arlequin, is it like Harlequin? Yes. Spelled A-R-L-E-Q-U-I-N. The RPI zine? Yes, the RPI zine. Nice. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, if you're only hearing this and not watching it, uh, you can't. you could be watching it at twitch.tv slash the next cast every monday at 8 p.m we broadcast our recording live mm-hmm. eastern daylight time eastern yes eastern daylight time until further notice <laughs> i was gonna say until the stupid time changes and makes everything worse unless, again unless you're in saskatchewan also if you like the content that we make whether it be this twitch stream that you may or may not be watching as g had mentioned or whether it's the podcast that you're listening to right now or uh, any of our youtube content whether it be convention coverage let's plays the race against time any of that stuff you can support us on patreon by becoming a patron of the next cast even as little as a dollars a month really helps us out this isn't our day job <laughs> this is just something we do for our free time doing research on different fandoms and trying to find all these really cool people to learn more about different cool vendors if you want to do that if you want to become a patron of the next cast and i highly recommend it you would be, become a member of a very elite few then uh you can go to patreon.com slash the next cast uh, and set all that up it also lists our goals there so if you're wondering what the hell we're going to use the money for you know what it's going towards you can also find us 
at Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at the next cast. Some Con Bravo stuff, some Con Bravo swag, Con Bravo Fallout on Instagram right now, and uh, soon to be YouTube. Yeah, hopefully before I make it to Otakuthon. I don't know how I'm flying all the way from like Italy to Montreal to Hamilton. It's getting expensive. <laughs> that guys. is the dedication that he has to covering all those fandom things. Yes. Yes. Don't worry, we'll get really good at stealing planes by the end of this. We'll just fly for free. <laughs> and if you're following us on Twitter and you want to know just what we're getting up to, you can do so by hunting down that hashtag. Hashtag F-A-N-T-H-R-O. That's hashtag Fanthro. F-A-N-T-H-R-O. One thing before we get to the one last thing, and that is, of course, the Race Against Time. If you've not heard about it, it is our annual charity fundraising event where we raise money for the Alzheimer's Society of Canada. How do we do that? Uh, if you go to twitch.tv slash the race against time on August 12th, we will be doing whatever it takes to entice you to raise money for the charity we'll be playing through chrono trigger uh, a very cool game some might say the best game and going through its various endings trying to obtain them all um you know karaoke whatever challenges you guys come up with whatever it takes because we want to raise that money for the alzheimer's society last year we raised over 1200 dollars canadian and this year we're hoping to raise i think it was 1500 or more 1500 or more i mean 2,000, 3,000, 6,000, 10,000, whatever, man. Up, it's up, up to you. It's up to you. But uh, we're trying to raise at least 15,000 this year. So help us out. Go to 1,500. Oh, yeah, 1,500. There's a, there's a big difference there. Uh, but you can check that out, twitch.tv slash the race against time. If you follow that, then when the event goes live, you'll be notified immediately. You can also see any updates about it on uh, the race against time.io. Got some fun stuff planned, some guests, some achievements. Some fancy widgety stuff. Should be a good time. Check it's it out. It's going to be good. It's going to be a party. It's going to be a party mm-hmm. on the internet. Yeah. So we have room for everybody. Yep. Yeah. Unlike this plane that is taking us to, I think, Turkey. That's right. We yes. are on next week's episode. We are flying over to Turkey because next week our fandom is going to be coffee fans. So we're going to Turkey and not sleeping. I mean, we never sleep. Oh, yeah. I forgot. I've been yep. awake so long I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and with that, there's, of course, uh, famous last words for next week's fandom. Famous last words. I'm going to start with Z. Z, what are your famous last words around coffee fans? Um, my famous last words are that, well, I don't know how to phrase what I want to ask into a question, so I'll just spout it out. Perfect. Who was it that first called it Turkish coffee? And were they Turkish or were they Greek? And does that even matter? Because Turkish coffee and Greek coffee are made the same way. Mm. Maybe it's just a good way. But then why isn't it called Greek coffee? More uh, internationally, you know? That's what I want to get to the bottom of. (laughs) They're both single countries. I don't know how one is more international. Actually, Turkey spans two continents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like when you say, uh, when you mention, you know, how, you know, Oh, I'm gonna have some Greek coffee. People say, "Oh, that's made that's made like Turkish coffee, right?" Or that's made in like the style of Turkish coffee. Why? Why is that the predominant one? Why isn't it the other way around? Why isn't it interchangeable? Isn't it kind of like French kiss and English kiss? Potentially, they are the same kiss. They are the same kiss. Potentially, probably has something to do with history. But you you'll probably find out when you do your research. <laughs> hmm. Gee, what famous last words do you have around? 
coffee fans. Let's see. I'm hoping I find some way in which coffee is integrated into Turkish culture. That's more than just they like drinking coffee. Like some sort of ceremony or celebration mm. or something like that that's part of Turkish culture. So to make a statement, I'm going to say there is one. There's a there's you know a, a celebration or ceremony involved in Turkish culture that involves coffee. So it sounds like it, it means a lot to them more than just like, eh, I like getting a coffee. So fingers crossed. All right. My question is a lazy question, but I think it's kind of related to yours, G. Mm. And that is, what are coffee fan fan activities, especially in Turkey? Yeah. I find it the most interesting when there are fan activities. Yeah. This week, less of a thing. But, like, there's got to be more to coffee fandom than just, I enjoy coffee. See, look at me <laughs> trying these different coffees. Yeah. Right? What are those activities? Is it dressing up like a giant coffee bean? <laughs> Maybe it's like coffee baths. I don't know, man. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? I want to know. That being said, if you're talking about, look at all me trying on these different, different coffees, I'd say coffee tasting is a fan activity. Yeah. Uh... I mean, it is. No, it is. It's like wine, ta- <laughs> it's like wine tasting. But, I mean, there's got to yeah. be something else, right? Yeah, There's yeah. got to be something... Like it's some juicy, yeah. nutty, hazelnutty. I do have little juicy historical facts Ooh. for next time about coffee. All right. Well, we better head out before we miss our flight to Turkey. Yep. That's right. As we established that we were already on the plane. Yep. <laughs> well, I mean, no, the, the flight attendants are coming around telling us to turn off our electronic devices. So I, I thought this was the ploy part where we get really good at taking planes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. That's right. Okay. Uh, well, if we don't see you next time, we'll be in a Turkish or Italian jail. So it's Midnight Express all over again. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Oh, boy. See you next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye.